A fresh take on guidelines for local and regional business aviation groups, information valuable for new and established groups alike. From the National Business Aviation Association, this is Flight Plan. I'm Pete Combs with your trusted source for business aviation news. The backbone of business aviation advocacy is comprised of both NBAA at the national level and the local and regional business aviation groups all over the country. From the Pacific Northwest to Southern Florida, from Maine to Southern California, these groups are the grassroots on issues that range from scholarships to representing our industry at state capitals nationwide. Local and regional groups depend on the dedication and vigilance of their very own members. NBAA has collected a great many of the lessons learned by these tremendous groups over the years and has distilled that knowledge into a publication called Guidelines for Regional Business Aviation Groups. And as you're about to hear, that's a resource which has undergone a tremendous makeover just recently. Joining me to talk about this invaluable resource is Brittany Davies, NBAA's regional representative in the Northeast, and Paige Croner, the association's regional rep in the Mid-Atlantic region. Paige, when did you start working on this top-to-bottom revision of the guidelines? I think what really precipitated us re-looking at the regional guidelines was because we have three new regional reps on the team. And so Brittany and I said, maybe we should give it a new facelift. So that's really where it stemmed from is that it just needed to have current information, current pictures, current infographics, and also to jazz it up and give it more of an aesthetically pleasing take on the guidelines. When you look at, you said developments and needs, when you look at some of those, how do the new guidelines help address that? Paige? So we basically took what we had learned from the local and regional group committee and started breaking it down a little more fundamentally into some focused areas, looking at it from both a brand new perspective from a regional group and also from an established group's perspective and seeing what type of information was coming out of the local and regional group committees that we could enhance the guidelines. You know, we've seen a growth in the need for industry advocacy within business aviation over recent years, and more regional groups have been formed to address this need. I'd like to talk a little bit about how the new guidelines, um, Brittany, how that seems to maybe address some of that growth and and to maybe uh, channel some of that energy. Definitely. Uh, I think the biggest questions that we've seen uh, throughout the years, specifically with that growth, really comes down to the fact that technology has become such a valuable asset. The premise of building on that technology has really come to the forefront uh, in this document in particular. You can use technology from an internal standpoint regarding websites, being able to manage your membership within a certain type of membership platform. You could be able to use it from a marketing perspective to grow membership, to make sure that your messaging is on point and is out there, not only in the aviation world, but in the public forum as well. In addition to the technology that Brittany was talking about, I think a lot of these regional groups understand that premise of being a regional group is to advocate for one another, to be a source of information. 
Um, you know, if a, a tax issue comes up, if there's a safety issue at an airport, um, if there's a customs question, that it's a community. And I think that's a lot of where a lot of our regional groups are um, grounded in and why they exist is to find a common uh, goal and to find a way to actually talk with one another and to help each other. And that's the one wonderful thing about our industry is that we are a, a community of um, people who are trying to help one another. And the local and regional group guidelines, I think, is a good tool for um, people to reference as they're looking at how do I do a safety day? How do I do an advocacy outreach? What if I have um, a membership issue? This is a resource that our regional groups can use um, while they're facing different issues, while they're in the formation of groups. If they are an existing group that's been around for, say, 15, 20, 30 years, it's a, it's a great resource for our regional groups to go to as a one-stop shop. But I also will say that they have us as regional reps as tools as well. We are an extension of these guidelines, if you will. And that's the um, wonderful thing about the regional rep program is that we are a person, we're an extension of NBAA out in your region, and we want to help. And we are very integrated with a lot of the regional groups. Um, Brittany and I both and others serve on boards of the regional groups because we are advisors. We're here to help be a conduit. So um, I'd also just like to say that in addition to the, the actual guidelines that we've helped revamp, to also remember that we have regional reps as part of your toolbox, if you will. You know, I see that. And when I look at the guideline, one of the things that I see, Brittany, is what can a regional rep help me with? Paige alluded to that, but there are some very specific areas in which regional reps can help. We span the gamut as far as what we can help you with. Right now, Paige and I are working on a member-driven group that will be starting in the Delaware Valley. We are guiding them through the setup, the different intricacies of establishing a group, getting all of the paperwork together, getting their initial meetings going, and moving them forward in that light. And then there are also groups maybe 20, 30, 40 even years in the making. So on the other end of the spectrum, it really comes down to how can we assist those groups that have been around for a long time, they've been established, they have their certain events, but how can we help enhance that end of everything as well? So when we looked at these initial guidelines, what we really tried to do was not only talk about how you can start a new group, because as you mentioned earlier, Pete, it really has become a, a movement in the last 15 years to not only start a group, but now how do we maintain and enhance the current groups that have already made such a splash in their community and have made a true impact? From another perspective, as regional reps, uh, the one key that I want to make sure everybody is aware of is that because we are regional reps, we get a chance to see from almost the 30,000 foot level, all of the groups in our regions. So that is another point is be able to make sure to have all of the other groups within our regions talk to one another. We're not over here trying to reinvent the wheel. What we're really trying to hone in on is how can we bring basic practices 
to each group uh, to minimize the time that they're spending volunteering with some of the busy work and really getting them out there in the community and into the fun portion of what these regional groups really can be. Paige, Brittany makes a, a real good point talking about the fact that you have um, in each region, you have the well-established groups, you have those that are brand new. And in the case of the group uh, in Delaware, in the, in the Delaware Valley area, you're talking about actually creating a new group, helping bring that to, to reality. So I wonder if you might tell me a little bit about what are some of the uh, different needs between the um, the uh, the newer groups and the groups that are more established, I, I would imagine there are some very different needs there. As far as needs go, yes. I think, uh, again, a lot of the needs of a group is driven by what's happening locally. But I also would say that there's a lot of, uh, back to helping with with your community, a lot of the regional groups want to help other regional groups with the best practices. And that's where the local and regional group roundtable certainly is, is a great venue for, for leaders to come together and share best practices. Um, I mean, we're all facing a lot of the same issues. We're looking at workforce development issues. We're dealing with possibly a system-wide NAS issue that all the regional groups are, are, are focusing on. And when you can collaborate with one another, I think that's a huge benefit of being at the local uh, regional group level, um, because you can talk to your neighbor. Um, as we know, a lot of these flight departments might be on the same field, but may not see one another because their operations are so busy. But a regional group will give you that opportunity to step outside of your flight department and see your neighbors and collaborate on issues. You know, something I, I, I really find uh, fascinating and, and what a great tool to have is in the guideline, you have this bright yellow page that says maintain your group through an annual checkup. Brittany, tell me about this annual checkup. Sure. That came about, again, because we have a lot of groups that are well-established, but we have found throughout the years that not all of the leadership uh, takes the time to do um, an annual checkup. Uh, of course, they'll revisit you know, bylaws often, and they will revisit uh, financials. But we really wanted to give you some other options to dive down into really checking in with a lot of facets of the organization in general. So, of course, we have up there, you know, check your bylaws, which I said most people do. But I think another thing that is just really well known in a, in a business way is uh, a SWOT analysis or strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats analysis. I don't think that a lot of people sometimes look at this type of organization and think, yeah, we really have some threats out there. But the truth of the matter is you do. You have certain components that can work against you that can be, you know, maybe small threats, but threats nonetheless. Uh, so we really wanted to have them think outside the box a little bit, because sometimes we really just need that extra push to kind of um, go above and beyond what we're used to. We also wanted to make sure that we brought in there um, the fact that you need to evaluate your web presence. If you don't have a website, uh, if people really can't get the gist of who you are. So you really have to have a good web presence. And sometimes we see websites that are a bit jumbled or they have too much information on there and they really need some of that information updated. Along with that type of technology also comes social media engagement, which has been a huge hot topic, I would definitely say, within the last six years of the local and regional group roundtable. And how do you use social media? Are you being impactful in the way that you're engaging? Are your posts actually reaching an audience? 
do you have somebody specifically taking care of the social media so you're seeing a consistent messaging? These are things that maybe groups that started 30 years ago would not necessarily have to address, but they're really, really important factors now. And we just wanted to give an extra little checklist to remind the groups of a variety of different things that are just as important as your bylaws and your financial checkups. Paige, one of the things that I see that is maybe crucial uh, to not just the new groups, but some of the more established groups, you have a discussion in this guideline about legal issues and specifically about nonprofit status. And there are some real serious discussions to be had about that, right? Absolutely. And I may bounce some of this back over to Brittany, but um, you know, there's a lot to be said about whether you are a 501c3 or a 501c6, and it comes down to tax and legal issues. And when groups are establishing themselves, they need to understand what all the tax implications are for each of those different types of um, organizations. And um, even in the instance of a brand new group, I mean, you in your state, where are you incorporating? Are you going to uh, be a charitable organization? What does that look like when you have a safety event and sponsorships money comes in? How do you handle that? Um, so all those issues come together. Um, and for somebody who may not be a, an attorney or a, a tax uh, savvy person, these are the, the questions that regional reps are here to help you with and help you walk through and understand why you need to maybe go one way as opposed to another. Brittany, do you have anything else to add on that? The big difference that we see across the board between a 501c3 and a 501c6 really comes down to the fact that one uh, can have political activity, which is the C6, and the C3 cannot have political activity. So it really comes down to what your local establishment is really deemed for. Perhaps that's in your mission statement. Perhaps it changes over the years, charged by other uh, political landscapes. However, the big thing is that you really need to figure that out whether you want to have that political activity or not, or if it changes over time, does that change you from a C6 to a C3? Or for that matter, another thing that we've seen, sometimes they want to be able to have both sides of the coin. So they will set up a foundation um, for some of their scholarship monies from some of their other uh, different types of money that comes in. Uh, they'll establish that foundation and then they'll have some of the business type of everything run on a C6, which allows them to have a little bit more of a legislative component to their group overall. I think finally, I'd like to talk just a little bit about the maintaining of a group. It seems to me, having attended several functions at the local and regional level, that a lot of what has to happen in a group, whether it's new or old, is renewal. We really have to kind of fold back in our efforts um, very frequently to keep the group alive and and healthy. Uh, so Paige, let me ask you to start a little bit about uh about that process of kind of keeping it alive and keeping it vital. And then maybe Brittany could chime in as well. That is a very poignant question because a lot of uh, groups are obviously faced with the challenge of how do we stay, um, like you said, vital? How do we um, keep new blood, if you will, coming onto the board? How do we get people engaged and how do we uh, have relevant meetings and events that people actually want to attend. And I, I think part of um, the reason, again, we did this regional guidelines is we wanted to help maybe give some new ideas to help our 
regional groups stay relevant and stay vital. Um, you know, we're all all the regional groups are always challenged with who are going to be your quote unquote worker bees. And you don't always want to go to that one specific worker bee without maybe reaching out to the rest of the community and trying to engage other new people to get involved with the groups. Um, so it, it's a challenge that all of the regional groups are faced with. Um, I know as reps, I'm always looking for new folks that I'm engaging with that may not necessarily know about a regional group, may not think that they would have the, the talents um, that they would be able to give a positive impact on a regional group, but I'm always talking to folks and trying to get new people to raise their hands. Britt, do you have anything else to add? I do, definitely. As we're talking about this specific topic of renewal, I think the biggest thing that I try to convey um, in any capacity when we are talking about bringing some energy back into into a group or, or kind of readjusting so that we come out better on the other side, my biggest thing is to always have the energy and the excitement behind it because if you're not excited, nobody else in the group is going to get excited. Trying to make sure you can plug in the right people to adjust that energy level in everything that we're talking about. When we're getting down into a little bit more of the nitty gritty, I think one thing that we have heard time and time again is when leadership does come to the local and regional group roundtable, they walk away with so many ideas and that energy level is, is spiked again. And that's really important because how often do we in most of our time, whether we're traveling on the road, different events or whatnot, how much of that time is actually focused on something that you're doing in a volunteer capacity that kind of gets pushed to the wayside a lot. So I think that's another thing. When we're talking about renewal, having that larger nationwide perspective is really, really also very, very important. You can find the guidelines on the NBAA website. Search for the term Guidelines for Regional Business Aviation Groups. Thanks to NBAA regional representatives Brittany Davies and Paige Croner for their time today. And one more suggestion. You can find a wealth of information on regional groups at nbaa.org regional. And that's the latest from the National Business Aviation Association. Remember, you can subscribe to all Flight Plan podcasts at Apple's iTunes website or download them from nbaa.org. I'm Pete Combs. Thanks for listening to Flight Plan.